Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Reflecting on this, I decided to follow her advice, and I noticed profound changes in my own dogs. Enhanced energy, healthier skin, and an overall younger demeanor. It's truly heartwarming to see them so vibrant and full of life. Go to badlandsfood.com hometown and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash hometown. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Once he'd explained the symbolism of his walking belt, John John mentioned they were planning an expansion and revision of the Museum of the Cherokee Indian. I asked what additions or changes he would make if given the opportunity. I told him how much I'd enjoyed the exhibits, and he told me that they're currently planning an expansion and revision of the museum. I asked him what additions or changes he would make if given the opportunity. I would talk more about our cities that we had prior to invasion that I think there's not enough information out there I mean the trade network that was there folks have no clue even some of our own people don't know how far our reach was I mean back in the day we had about a million square miles of territory. Now, welcome to our town. <laughs> this little town. Well, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, I would, I would definitely expound more on, on Etowah and and different cities like that. Spiral, uh, Cahokia. Now, Spiral and Cahokia were not under our charge, but those those were cities as well. Etowah was under our charge. He's referring to the massive native cities that all but disappeared from our history books. Cahokia, for one example, was a five square mile urban metropolis that thrived during the time of the European Middle Ages. These were carefully planned cities with cutting edge technologies and multi-story buildings. And it's not only a national embarrassment, but an academic failure that we have forgotten them. I asked if Cahokia was the largest ancient city at the height of its power? It, it was probably maybe top three. Maybe. <laughs> when I compared it to the lost city of Atlantis, John and John corrected me. Not lost. 
paved over. So it's always been there. But the European Americans did not see the value of our stuff. Now, hindsight being 2020, you know, the, the grandsons and granddaughters of the people that have paved over it, they're like, man, we should have kept it. We, sh- we, should, we could learn so much from it, but we're at where we're at. <laughs> I told him of the heaviness I felt personally with the way our people had treated his and the incalculable loss the Cherokee had experienced at the hands of white settlers. I said I hoped there were ways moving forward of making some of this right. I don't know if we can ever make it right, but we can move forward. I mean, you guys weren't there during that time period, so there's no way that we could place the blame on y'all, even though, you know, we're all part of this system that was developed by by that. The only thing we can ask of the grandsons and granddaughters would be whenever you go to the polls and vote, keep us in mind, because a lot of the policies were made by people that didn't wish us well. Let's put it that way, as polite as as I can put it, I guess. So there's maybe, I'm going to be generous and say 15,000 of us, I guess. And out of that 15,000, we have a hundred and less than 150 speakers of our language left. A lot of the young people are so caught up in the outside, um, influences that we don't hardly have any artisans like when I was a kid almost every family had a basket maker had a potter had somebody done beadwork but now in in today's fabric in today's family system there's not that many left that was by design You know, the boarding school policy was to kill the Indian to save the man. They wanted to take everything from us, our homes, our way of life, our language, our very identity. And there's an issue about sports teams, mascots and whatnot. And some folks, they say, why does that matter to you so much? Why do people, indigenous people, dislike that. Well, whenever the European American children were at play back in the day, they were playing cowboys and Indians. The Indian was always the bad guy. John Wayne, the white hat, the guy with the white cowboy hat was the, was the good guy. Also during that time that they got to play got to play indigenous freely. Our aunties, uncles, grandmas, grandpas were in these boarding schools getting beat, getting facing. Well, they were facing challenges and hardships that I cannot begin to wrap my mind around just for existing, just for being who they are, being born. I mean, if you're a child and... All you know is English. And then let's say you're four, three, four years old. and Somebody different color than you comes into your home and takes you away from your mom and dad, the only family you've ever known, and shuttles you off to this area that you're not from 
have no no knowledge of it. And now they're going to change your appearance. They're going to take all your clothes off, make you wear this different set of clothes. If you got long hair, they're going to cut your hair. If you got short hair, they're going to glue some on to you. They're just going to change you all the way. And every time you speak English to your fellow children that speak the same language as you, you get beat. You get punished. Something bad happens to you. After a while, you might just stop speaking altogether. So there are families here, like I said, back in the day, there used to be everybody had a potter. Everybody had a basket maker. Everybody spoke before the boarding school, before the uh, invasion, before the annihilation of the indigenous culture, the indigenous peoples. So as all of these things have continuously been poured upon us and poured upon us, that this is the, the final outcome where no one will have their language anymore if it continues in this way. Even though the physical buildings of the boarding school are no longer there, the lasting effects of it, the ripples have become waves now. I mean, my mom, my aunties and uncles, they went to a, a Catholic school, Catholic orphanage or boarding school, however you want to call it. And they don't talk about it. They don't tell us younger generation what they had to go through to just to just to exist, just to live. And as a product of that, I didn't grow up speaking my language. Now, I was very fortunate that I grew up around some, some elders, some grandmas and grandpas that, that did speak our language. But as a child, <laughs> all I saw were old people speaking the language. So I thought that's something old people do. So I had better things on my mind to go and play in the woods, go go uh, run around and, and jump in the creek and what, and what have you. But I did not take advantage of the language until later on in life, into my teens, when I saw other kids from other indigenous nations playing, arguing, fighting, laughing, whatever they were doing, it was in their language. And it hit me, why the heck can't I do that? So that's when I started my, hey, how do I say this? How do I say this? First, because I didn't know what I was asking for. They didn't know how to bridge that gap from teacher to student. And I darn sure didn't know how to bridge the gap from student to teacher. So all I had was pretty much just a laundry list of words. We do have hope for our language. I mean, we have a Gadua Academy up here. It's called Adzegi Dua. It's where some of our children are, are chosen to go and learn our language. But it started out awesome. I mean, for eight hours a day, all they heard was our language. Everything that was taught in public school was translated into our language and given to them.
But for some reason, uh, I guess because the the older ones haven't picked it up as fast as the younger ones, we don't have an, a, an accreditation system that says if you can speak Cherokee, you're accredited to be able to teach at a school. I mean, you still have to have those, that, that accreditation. So there aren't many that have that. So it's that school is suffering from what I understand. Now they have a lot of English being spoken there just because it's easier. But anyway, here's the shameless plug. <laughs> if you guys are interested in learning the Cherokee language, check out your grandmother's Cherokee.com. I know it's a play on words. I mean, a lot of folks say, hey, my great-great-grandma was Cherokee. Hear that a million times a day. <laughs> but it's not from there. What it stems from is the way our grandmas and grandpas used to speak. So that's why it's called your grandmother's Cherokee. There is a whole method of learning there. So if y'all want to check it out, feel free. The more people that speak it, the more of a chance it has. As you heard him say, in John John's dialect, the middle dialect, there are less than 150 speakers in the world today. Tragically, there were 200 before COVID, but the disease has so far taken the lives of 25% of all middle speakers. Today, Cherokee, including both surviving dialects, the middle and the overhill out west, is officially a radically endangered language. For those of you who don't know, there are five stages of endangered languages around the world. The third stage is seriously endangered. The fourth, moribund, which is a fancy way of saying pretty much dead. The fifth stage is extinct. Right now, Cherokee straddles the third and fourth categories. As young people show less interest than ever in learning ancient languages, the survival of this language is in jeopardy. So if you love history and are looking for a hobby, learn Cherokee. It's a beautiful language, and there are programs like the one that John John described for learning it online. I asked John John how proficient he considered himself to be in the language of his ancestors. I can speak just enough to get laughed at, but now I'm working on it. Good day, I'm learning. Nigo Hila always. I have a bunch of favorite words. One would be uh, Agizi. It's my mom. That's the word mom. We get our clan from our mother. We get our, well, everything from our mother, our life, everything. So that's that would be one of the most important words. The word I say all the time, or the most, would be probably Agi Oshi, huh? I'm hungry. <laughs> now, some of our words just sound like the word that where it came from. Like uh, coffee. Kohui. Kohui, aguaduli. I want coffee. Candy. Candy. Aguaduli. I want candy. Uh our word for cow, waka, the first cow that we were uh, uh, exposed to came from the, the Spaniards. So their word for cattle is vaca, 
So we didn't walk up. So we didn't have V's. We didn't have P's. And we don't have R's anymore. There was an old dialect where there was R's in our language. But I don't know if we have many speakers that know that dialect anymore. There might be one or two still out there. but So R's are not in common use. Do the seven clans each have their own dialect? Yeah, it'd be uh, back in the day before all of the things happened. It would be akin to, you know, all the different dialects in English. Like, uh, let's take, for instance, use guys, yuns, y'all. <laughs> there are all different ways of saying it, but it means the same thing. And different parts of the country, you're going to hear those different words. I asked him if there were anything else he would hope for for his people in the coming decades or century. I would really love to see our language be brought back. I mean, I am, I kind of consider myself a linguist, but uh, my passion is with the indigenous languages, like Nikato Kakanen, Askikitian, Omanomane. I'm learning how to speak Menominee. I mean, I can. I have a little bit of that. I've got friends up there in uh, Menominee country in Wisconsin that are working, working to preserve their language. I mean, they have even fewer fluent speakers than we do. Um, let's see. And for my Dene friends out there, hello, how are you in their language? <laughs> so, some folks, you know, they, they pick up Latin and uh, Spanish, French, uh, what have you, all the, the European languages. I like to delve into the indigenous languages of this continent. And the more I can get my hands on, the better, because I just, I, I love listening to it. I enjoyed it too. Thanks for sharing it with us. Would you mind reminding our listeners where you are and how they can find you if they'd like to visit? This is the Museum of the Cherokee. We're located in Cherokee, North Carolina. And if you can find that, we're not a really big town, so you'll be able to find the museum. Throughout this conversation, John John had a handmade flute sitting in front of him, and I asked him if he had anything he'd like to share. Well, depending upon which indigenous nation that you talk to, they all have a flute story. They all say, you know, we're the ones that made it. Well, no, we're the ones that made it. But in the story that I know and that I was told is it comes from the first one. comes from uh, if you get on the parkway and you head towards uh, Silva, the, the Blue Ridge Parkway, not the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. That goes to Gallenberg. But as you're heading towards Silva from here on the Blue Ridge, you'll find a spot that says Water Rock Knob. That's where I was told the first flute came from. Came from. And uh, you'll have to come here and hear the whole story, but I'll play a little bit of it, this flute, just to, so you can hear it. Mm-hmm. 
down to Cherokee. <laughs> really do come down to Cherokee. Connect with John John if you can. If you're a language person, give Cherokee a try. It's the native language in which the most literature has been published, and it is the only Southern Iroquoian language spoken today. In our next episode, we'll be going to the largest private home in the United States, the Biltmore Mansion, to speak with head curator Darren Pupor. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.